The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is our epistle reading from the book of Hebrews, and especially these words. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The sermon title for today is What to Do When Everything is Done. And that might seem like a little bit of an odd title. I mean, after all, if everything is truly done, well, then there's nothing to do. Correct? Well, in this case, the answer is yes and no. We'll learn this answer a little more fully as we sort of work our way today through our epistle reading from Hebrews. We might say in general that the book of Hebrews is an argument which seeks to prove that all the Old Testament rituals and sacrifices in other ways were in the end all about pointing one to Jesus Christ and what he would eventually do for all people on the cross. Or put another way, it's an argument that is meant to show that all of those other things that were there in the Old Testament find their fulfillment and their end in Jesus. In the particular part of the argument that we're jumping into today, the author of the book of Hebrews is trying to show us that unlike the priests of old who had to offer up a sacrifice repeatedly for sin, that Jesus once and for all offered up the sacrifice of his own body in order that there might be forgiveness of sins for all and forever. Yes, there was no longer, the author of the Hebrews says, any offering needed to be made for sin. Jesus had done it all. No, no longer would a high priest have to walk into the most holy place of the temple with the blood of a sacrificial animal in order to make atonement for sin. No, instead, Jesus Christ, our great high priest, had now entered into the actual holy place, heaven itself, with not the blood of a sacrificial animal, but with his own blood that brought us redemption. Yes, like I said, our text ends with these words. Where there is forgiveness of sins, there is no longer any need for an offering for sin. Or I should say that part of our text ends that way. And that is why it is that our sermon title says, what to do when everything is done. For in Christ, everything is done in regards to our salvation. Our sins are forgiven. The bondage that sin held over us is broken. Our relationship to the Father, which was broken, is now reconciled. There's no longer any necessary offering that needs to be made to accomplish any of those things, for they are accomplished. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was the only offering that could accomplish those things, and it has accomplished those things. 
So no, we don't have to go and try to rebuild a temple in Jerusalem in order that we might start sacrificing animals again to God in order to appease him. And no, we don't have to think that somehow we will buy our way into God's favor by what we put into the offering plate. And no, we shouldn't even think that if we were to offer Christ our very all, every last part of who we are as an offering for sin, that that would do anything. For it's already done. All of it is done. Everything is done. There is no offering needed for sin. Yes, that is the message of the scriptures about Jesus. Jesus put it this very succinct way on the cross. It is finished. And so it was. No, you do not need to spend one moment trying to figure out how you can get God to like you. You don't need to spend one bit of energy figuring out how you can try to reconcile yourself to God the Father. You don't need to do anything, for it is done in Jesus. But, if everything is done, then what are we to do? After all, we're still here. Well, no doubt our text wishes to push our thoughts towards the last day when Christ will return. But at least we can say at the time of the preaching of this message, that day has not yet arrived. So why are we here? What are we to do? Well, to put it perhaps most generally, our text tells us that what we are to do is to abide in what Christ has done. We're to remain where the salvation of God is. We're to live in hope as we await that final day. But how exactly does one abide in the salvation that they have been given? Well, our text seems to suggest three very practical things that you and I are to do as we wait for the day of the Lord, as we wait to see all that God has done for us in Christ. The first is that we are to approach the throne of God with confidence. You see, in the Old Testament, no one, not even the high priest, would have ever thought of walking into the most holy place in the temple without having followed all the rites and rituals of sacrificing a perfect animal on the Day of Atonement. No, they understood well that for sinful humanity to run into God's presence would mean the end of sinful humanity. But thankfully, in Christ, we now have access to the holy place. We are able to run into God's presence because of the blood of Jesus, and therefore, we should do so often. So what does all this talk mean? What does it mean to run into the holy place of God? Well, certainly one day we will do that quite literally when we run into the presence of God on the last day. But until then, the scriptures tell us that the easiest way to do this is to pray. That when we pray, we are running before the very throne of God. And the author of the Hebrews says we're to do that with confidence. Not fearfully approaching God, but confidently approaching him because of Jesus and his work. Yes, we are to be people who approach God's throne now, just like we believe that we will do on the last day. And so that is the first way that we abide in the salvation of Christ. We pray. We go to God with all of our thoughts 
in all of our petitions and all of our thanksgivings. Secondly, the author of the Hebrews tells us that the thing we are to do while we are waiting is to hold fast to the confession of the faith that gives us hope. We are to know what it is that we believe. We're to know what the faith is that has been passed down to us generation after generation. We are to be able to speak with conviction about the fact that Jesus has done everything for us and for our salvation. And we're to let that hope that Christ gives to us, that hope of eternal life, we're to allow that to form us each and every day. Our lives should give evidence that our heart and our hopes are there. And that should impact how we live here. Yes, we're to set our minds on things above, not just because we have to and because Christ told us to, but because that's really where our hearts and our minds should be centered anyways. That's where they find their joy and their peace. In addition to holding fast to the confession of faith in a positive way of knowing that confession, we're also to guard against false confessions. The book of John tells us to test the spirits, the first John that is. We're not to be led astray from the hope by some false teacher who happens to have a persuasive personality. No, we are to abide in the salvation that we have in Christ by steadfastly holding to the confession of faith that gives us hope. And finally, we are told that if we wish to abide with Jesus all the way until the end, well then we are to live out our life together as the people of God. Understand this clearly. There is no such thing as a Christianity that is just about Jesus and you. There is no such thing. The faith is a communal event. And therefore, gathering together around God and with one another is not something optional for a Christian. It is the very essence of what it is to be a Christian. Yes, we are told that we are to encourage one another to live lives of love and good works in this world in order that others might see that light in us and be drawn to the true light, Jesus, who shines in his church. We are told that we are not to neglect gathering together with each other precisely so that we can do this work of encouraging one another. Yes, we have so many in our day who are doing exactly this, who are neglecting meeting together and they think they will be just fine. And the Bible says, no, they will not. We need to be gathered to God. We need to be gathered to one another so that we can receive God's grace and mercy and so that we can also strengthen and encourage one another for our walk of faith. So what are we to do when everything is done? Well, let us do these three things. Let us pray, let us hold fast to the confession of faith, and let us gather together with one another. So how are you doing at those things? How is your prayer life? Are you taking advantage of the fact that you have access to Almighty God any time or any day that you wish? Do you run in there with the confidence of knowing that Christ 
has made it possible for you? Do you have regular times of prayer every day where you're going to stop either individually or with your household and talk to God? Do you take the opportunity to talk to him randomly throughout the day when something is brought to your attention that needs his help, obviously, or is deserving of thanksgiving towards him? Secondly, how are you doing at holding fast to the confession of faith that God has given you? Do you know Christ's word well enough to be able to hold fast to the confession of faith in this world that wants to do everything it can to steal that hope from you? Do you rejoice when the word of God is preached or taught or sung? Or do you sometimes just find it overly boring and a little repetitive? And finally, do you take the opportunity to gather with other Christians in order that you might be strengthened by Christ and encouraged by the body of Christ? Do you look forward to those opportunities where someone might encourage you in your love towards others or in your doing of good works in this world? Do you gather in your home with those who believe in Christ? For that is one great opportunity to gather together with believers. Do you gather here each and every week without fail in order that you might be encouraged by doing so? And do you take opportunities other times to gather with Christians, whether that be to serve others or to study his word or simply to have fellowship with one another? For these are the things that God has told us to do. Now that everything is done, we are to pray. Or to hold fast to the confession of faith, we are to gather together with one another. Where you have failed in these tasks or are failing in these tasks, we return to God. Seek his forgiveness. He is happy to give it to you. You know why? Because everything is done. The sacrifice has already been made. You don't have to talk God into forgiving you. You simply have to ask and it is done because Christ has offered himself. Yes, rejoice again today as you hear the word and as you receive the supper that everything is done for you in Christ. Return to him and have forgiveness. And then return to your life. A return to your life filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with his life that makes you want to abide with him to the very end. So yes, until that last day when Christ returns, and all the more the closer that day gets, let us pray. Let us hold fast to our confession. Let us gather together with one another. For this is the promise of the Lord. The one who endures till the end, he will be saved. Amen.